we are going to do our top 10 players and it's tough guys like i've really really struggled saliba just didn't play enough football he was missing a lot and saliba's not in your 10 he he played he's, he's, been, he's, been, he's been immense but he missed how many games back in the last season like eight nine i've gone for pascal gross hipster lean anyone <laughs> eight sacker he's got sacker and eight that is low for me i think what i can't for, believe throw him out of the studio that's I'm, shocking mate. <laughs> i'm sorry Right, guys, welcome back to The Ripple Effect. I am joined by two stalwarts of The Ripple Effect and good friends and, crucially, award winners. <laughs> we have Mr. Daniel Cook, otherwise known as HLTCO, and Kweku Afari, my good friend. I've not seen for long, for far too long. It's great to have you back in the seat, mate. Uh, we are about to go through our top 10 players of... 2023 first and foremost how are you daniel how is the glow of, a, of your award <laughs> i'm all right i i feel like it sounds like an obvious thing to say but imposter syndrome is, is certainly something that i've um been dealing with over the last seven to ten tell, days tell everyone what, what you won Come um on. the fan media award at the uh, football supporters association event in Come central on. london and then I don't know if it's a byproduct of it or whether it's just a happy coincidence, but I was asked to go on to TNT Sports on Saturday. The ripple effect. After, yeah, <laughs> there you go. After um, we lost to Liverpool, and that was surreal because I'm stood there about 30 foot away from Roy Hodgson while he was absolutely teeing off <laughs> on the referees, and, and the wind was howling, and I'm thinking they're going to cut me completely, but I also want to hear this. And then, yeah, it was a very strange few days. Quite a, quite a quick move into that for yourself yeah. yeah so yeah how did that that feel you enjoyed it though surely yeah of course but it's still i mean we're here now we're talking about our script it's all off the top of your head but when you're doing it live to camera and you've got you know jules breach is standing there there's producers there's all of this mm. i mean they were literally doing an interview with a liverpool player 20 foot away from me and i'm thinking this is fish out of water stuff <laughs> to an extent but i don't think i saw too much waffle uh, and yeah sure it right. went it went all right yeah good it is funny all of that i don't know if you've had the same feeling quick i i so i was uh behind the camera for a long time before i ever got past the line into a into the studio because it does feel like there is such a, everything's well lit and then you're sort of behind that and i never uh, for a long time for about five years i never got past the line and i remember thinking What's it like? Like, how do you cope when you're the other side? Like, is it, are you out of your own body? All those things. And you've done Sky Sports News, uh, as have I. And, but when I got past that line, I remember it being such a moment because I was, seconds continue to pass and your mm. brain continues to work and you get asked a question and your mouth moves. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, everything's fine here. Mm. So it's a huge experience, like an important one to do and one that you get a real buzz off after, right, Cookie? A hundred percent. It's, uh, it's just talking football at the end of the day and we do that for free and we also get paid to do it. So we're, we're, living, we're living the best life. And like you say, when you cross that line, I was fortunate to cross that line. It happened pretty quickly. I worked behind the scenes for a little bit um, at various places and then, yeah, jumped in front of the camera, in front of the microphone. And of course, when you first do it, you get those jitters, you get those nerves. Sure. So then, as soon as they ask you a question about your football team, you're in it and you just talk and it, it comes out. And the thing is, you think about it, um, a bit too much in your head but then when you go and watch it back when you get home you realise that you, you're coherent and you make sense <laughs> and people actually want to hear what you're saying so yeah. yeah it's an interesting experience but yeah mate buzz for you thank you man. yeah well thank done you. guys 
And Cricket, do you want to tell us about your awards? Good. Um, yeah, so I present the Kent Football Show. Um, it's basically like a show that on YouTube that highlights the great and good of grassroots football within Kent. I am from Essex, so I do feel like a bit of a traitor. Um, <laughs> but yeah, won the um, a brand engagement award at the County FA Recognition Awards, which, was, uh, which is good. I've been doing it for just under a year. And like we briefly talked about awards and how they work and stuff. And sometimes you look, go to award ceremonies and you, you're in the room full of people that love themselves. Um, <laughs> but work of the County FA, you, there's people who are genuinely giving back to the mm. grassroots level of the game and people who work their asses off to, to make sure that the lifeblood of football continues and to see those people recognised within within that room is special and yeah, credit to the people who work at that show because they've really helped me to develop as a presenter. Amazing. Guys, they're all little, these are all little moments for you and I'm, yeah, you know, I'm huge fans of both of you so congratulations. It's great to see you both. Um, but now it's time for you to get shredded by Twitter. <laughs> Daniel, you'll be used to this but quickly, this may come as a bit of a storm on the way. <laughs> we are going to do our top 10 players and it's tough, guys. Like I've really, really struggled. We'll put forward the kind of criteria for it with our word of the week, which is we've just about snuck in. Uh, we've got a little hyphen in there. World class, which is that is a whole podcast in itself. So the definition of world class is uh, a person, thing or activity. Oh, sorry. Hang on. This is really weird. Of uh, brackets of a person, thing or activity of or among the best in the world. So in this episode of The Ripple Effect, we're going to take a look at who have been the best players of the 2023 calendar year. That's crucial, guys. We've got a list of 20 players here, and not only are we whittling them down to 10, but we're also ranking them as well, I'm afraid. That's that's not in the script. That's me telling you. <laughs> <laughs> but with this comes a lot of questions in terms of how you compare players, what's a fair criterion, and of course, what is world class? First question, then. What is world class cricket to you? Um, so it's pretty basic. You know, I, I like my my phrases, and world class to me is accomplishments plus astonishments. The accomplishments is what the eyes tell you, and I think a lot of times in football, people don't use their eyes. People look at stats, people look at highlight reels, but what your eyes tell you is the is the astonishments. The accomplishment accomplishments is the hardware. And you can only really get the hardware if you're playing for the top clubs, hence why through most of our lists, they're going to be played to play at the top clubs. But I do still think you can be world-class without the accomplishments, but it's just a little bit more difficult because you don't get as much fanfare, you don't get as much coverage. But for me, that's what world-class is, astonishments plus accomplishments. Someone never to win an award. Um, that is, I agree. So, Ripple, has the term world-class played a role in players leaving their clubs in pursuit of that title? For example, if Bellingham was at Birmingham City doing what he's doing now, he obviously wouldn't be deemed as world-class. So where do we draw the line? Daniel, how do you feel about this? Can we chuck a Eze in this? I, I, was, I, was, I was going to have a bone of contention about him being on a list altogether. Oh, really? Well, we've got a whole short list, which we actually put on the JLA uh, underscore FC Twitter account. We've got a whole host of uh, social accounts now. So if you haven't followed them, do me a favour. Little Christmas present. Go and follow all of those. We're trying to build them up. Uh, but I did. Ch I chucked down a short list and then people put in some new names. And actually, there's a couple of uh, people in my 10 that actually have or got very close to my 10. That have, uh, have come from your uh, opinions, guys. But Abiriaze, we, we chucked in there in terms of the shortlist. He's not in my tent. No. Is he world class? Could he be world class? He can be world class. Why? Why? So him and Elise. I why... would say Michael's above him. Okay. Oh, fine. So would I. Okay. Well, he hasn't played for QPR, so <laughs> that's not, that doesn't suit my agenda. All right. So let's go with Elise then. Hmm. Does Elise have to play for a top six club? 
to be recognised as world class? Um, it depends who you're talking to. I think if you are talking to your archetypal, and you've already mentioned it, getting caned on Twitter, this is probably going to come following this answer. Um, if you're talking to your archetypal top six fan who views things on trophies alone and views things on accomplishments that come with little bits of gold attached to them, then probably yes. But if you're talking about a, an individual that can change a game in a moment, that can get you off your seat, that can make football look incredibly simple and make you think, where did that come from? Then Michael Elise ticks every single box you could possibly you could have. You finish that sentence with a beer eze. I could have Quite done. Easily, However, and this isn't a criticism of Ebbs at all. I love Ebbs. I think he's fantastic. I'm not sure... And this is something that I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm throwing him under the bus. I'm not sure at this point that he has the hard edge necessary to win over every single doubter. Michael Elise, very similar to Wilfred Zaha in a sense, thrives on people thinking that he's not going to do what he's going to do. Mm. Against Luton, even you though even though we yeah. lost the game, he literally picked the ball up in his own half, went past two men, cut inside, and in a reminiscent fashion to Arjun Robin put it right in the top corner because he just thought, I'm going to do this myself. Mm. And obviously there's a level of ability that comes with that, but there's also a mentality with that. And yeah, I think that's, that's a, why... That's fascinating. Like, So kind of, so Bellingham has that edge, right? Mm -hmm. And we've spoken about that actually on this podcast, that, that you need to sort of... The way I described Bellingham was that he's in a hurry to be great. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and that a little bit of anger is useful, I think. I think that's an interesting thing when it comes to Erbiere. Well, I wouldn't change for the world. But I, I do understand. I'm not sure he has... Does he have that same anger? Or does that anger come up in different forms? Because I think he has got past adversity several different times in mm. several different ways so I'm sort of wary of, of putting that on him of and I, I get what you're saying you know you can you can distill someone's career to a single sort of soundbite I'm not trying to do that mm. I'm just suggesting that right now if you were to look at ceilings for example like there is no doubt in my mind that Michael Elise could go to any top club in the world and flourish because he has that he will go into any training ground and will just do what he does Yeah, and I think Ebb's He's such a lovely guy that sometimes he can get a little bit lost in a game because he's trying to do things in a very fluent fashion. And if the team around him aren't necessarily doing that, he gets not brought down to their level, but he struggles to, you know, grab it by the scruff of the neck in a way that Michael potentially can. What's his best position, Abrichie? As a 10. As a 10. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can start him off kind of on the left, and he can drift into mm. that space. I think mm -hmm. we did we have that conversation once. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, he's uh, yeah. I, I'm wary of ever putting a ceiling on him because when, uh, like Madison is on the short list. Yeah. Is he in people's tens? I don't know. You're gonna have to listen. Mm -hmm. But if you if if Tottenham hadn't bought Madison mm -hmm. and they bought Eze, it would have looked a little bit different. Maybe you might not have had the same amount of goals. I think Madison has has added that to his game a little bit. Eze could play that role that Madison plays, I think. Maybe he's not got the same range of passing. Different. Yeah. They are slightly different. But I think he would be capable of, of stepping up at a level. Anyway, we need to move on. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Let's sorry. do the Abira Eze out. Abira Eze, yeah. We'll do that another time. <laughs> well, well, naturally, we're sitting here with QPR. Yeah, 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 exactly. I've got to mention Yeah. Okay. So, how did you find putting together your 10? Do you know what? I really struggled with. I became like an aggregator. So, I called up three of my mates. And Dangerous. I was like, I'm going, off, I'm going on the podcast and I need to, I need to come up with the 10 best the 10 best players in the Premier League this season. and oh, this, like, year. Oh, this year. This sorry. year, sorry, this year. And that's, that, that's actually the crux of it. 
This year makes it difficult because you look at players that maybe had a really good season or really good back end of the season last year but have been injured for the beginning of this season or players that didn't necessarily finish the season that well last year but started the season on fire. And you've got to go back and really remember what players did and how you felt around the back end of last season. Because yeah. right now it's easy to remember. Like It's easy to put players who are performing really high in this list but you've got to remember last season as well. Absolutely. And so is there a name that you can sort of think of that if it would been just the sort of first half of the season, because essentially you've got the back end of last year, mm. oh sorry, last season and and this season. One name I would chuck there that's not in my ten, Jack Grealish. Now, yeah, Jack Grealish same. had a great start. It Kevin De Bruyne, another good example. For uh, for for me, back end of, so back end last season, Saliba just didn't play enough football. He was missing a lot. And Saliba's not in your ten. He he played. He's, he's, been, he's, he's been he's been immense, but he missed how many games back in the last season? Like eight, nine, and so that's a huge part of of twenty twenty three that he didn't play. Yeah, and the other thing, this the the anger. I was looking at the list, and I just know that okay. So Arsenal fans are going to be annoyed about this, mm. and Liverpool fans are going to be screaming about this, and it's just going to be chaos. But it it's is. difficult. It's very very difficult. Even someone like so someone who's just missed out for me, Harry Kane. Now, if you were truly doing an aggregated thing, and if he is in your tens, then I, I get it. Because I think he's top two in the first half of this calendar year, yeah. right? And he's gone on, obviously, been amazing. But you can't count that side of it. We're, we're doing exclusively Premier League players. So he just about misses out. But I, he was the closest in terms of being able to carry on one half of a season and, and my, making his way into to the test. Right, let's begin. Tenth spot. You want me to go? Daniel, me go, go, go first. This is going to go down like a lead balloon <laughs> over the course of this next hour and a half. There are so many people that are going to be like, how dare you? I'm putting Watkins in at 10. Nice. Nice. Watkins but, is in my 10. Same. Well, so for me, I mean, Ollie Watkins always for me has been, at least in my own personal chat room, that is my brain. <laughs> he has always <laughs> been like a poster boy for that very smart recruitment from Brentford. So I had Ben Rama, Ollie Watkins came in there from Exeter. I wanted Palace to sign him for years because he had that about him. You knew that he was going into the Premier League. You knew that he wouldn't be overawed by the Premier League. And, you know, you, you look at his growth as a player at Villa. He has really, I think, stepped up to the plate in terms of being... I mean, you look at Unai Emery at the moment. He's got them absolutely flying. Ollie Watkins does not look out of place in that side at all. In fact, he's leading the charge. Mm. That is not an easy thing to do for any individual. It doesn't matter whether you are world-class or not. You know, you you have to be there and be counted in front of goal. You go on dry spells, you're going to struggle to keep the faith of, of Villa fans and neutrals. And I think he really is thriving in that system, but is someone that has, has taken his game to another level, even compared to when, you know, I wanted him to sign for Palace in the first place and knew that he would be good enough in the Prem. So I think what we should do here is obviously we've got three sets of 10 here is let's talk about Ollie Watkins mm -hmm. and then if, well, they're in both of our 10s, when yeah. they sort of come up, we can kind of leave it, right? Yeah. So one ripple for Ollie Watkins this season, not going to the World Cup, has seen Ollie Watkins explode this season. The World Cup in the middle of the season definitely came with its challenges in terms of players playing a lot of games. You saw both sides of it. So Rashford stepped into that in good form, came out of it in electric form. But one player who didn't get impacted was Ollie Watkins who wasn't selected by Southgate since the World Cup he has a total of 31 goal involvements in 2023 the only English player with more and of course he's moved country is Harry Kane with 41 31 goal involvements do you know what's a big thing I think actually in terms of putting this list together is fitness as well like mm -hmm. he is 
He's, I dare I say it. I'm sorry, <laughs> Villa fans. <laughs> this ain't on me. You got a busy Christmas period, right? But Watkins is always fit. Well, mm. that, yeah. When I'm when I say go, it, say the phrase. Come on, <laughs> James. <laughs> what is the best ability? It's availability, Daniel. Yeah. And if, availability. if you're not fit, you're the... <laughs> you are not it. That's exactly it. And and my list is is full of players that are consistently available, and you need to be available to to be considered in a year end list when you come when you're talking about the best players of 2023. Ollie Watkins has really surprised me. He's in my list as well, um, and he's just a player that. He used to blow hot and cold. He's so much more consistent now, mm-hmm. and he is at the centre of everything good for Aston Villa. And he's a ma- he's a player that's found the right manager. Yeah, what's difficult as well is that how a team does well, then often a player ends up doing well as well, which mm-hmm. makes life difficult when you're kind of looking at these different stats. Obviously, Aston Villa have had a, a, a fantastic 2023. But again, he is so crucial in all of that. He is second in line to Harry Kane, I think, as, as England's striker here. And again, a great example off the back of what we were talking about there. If he is playing for Bayern Munich, he's scoring a lot of goals. If he's mm-hmm. at Man United, he's scoring, like, if he, and he's getting the spotlight as well. It'd be interesting to see how he would cope with that spotlight. I think he'd be fine. Yeah. But being where he is has obviously been fantastic for him. And having that little break, he's like, you know, he's one of those few top players that. Had a break. Is he world class? Again, if you ask Villa fans, it's not even a question. And it, it's one of those for me. I mean, is he Villa, world class to you. Yeah, for me, he is because mm. he is leading the charge. I mean, I had this conversation with someone the other day. City, undeniably, despite their poor run of form of late, almost have to still be considered favourites for the title, despite the fact they're sitting fourth as we record this. If you're going to do that, you have to throw Villa into the conversation because it's disrespectful not to. Mm-hmm. So for me, if you're in a title race and you are leading the charge for a team that are fighting on European and domestic fronts simultaneously, scoring goals and playing your archetypal leading man, then you have to be considered as a world-class operator. Do you think we're beholden to the fact that, or when you're discussing world-class players, are you beholden to the fact that there aren't that many strikers who score goals? Because if you look in the Premier League right mm. now, Erlen Haaland's clearly the best striker in the Premier League. Who's the second best striker in the Premier League? Is that yeah, it's open for debate, is that Oli Watkins? And do we call him world class because there's not a plethora like back in the nineties where there were so many yeah, strikers yeah. who were who were scoring twenty goals a season or mm. getting close to it, and now you don't really have that many. So Oli Watkins falls into the world class category as a result of the lack of strikers. Certainly, like, I did a podcast this morning uh, with uh, Cormac, who's uh, the face or the name behind Football Meta. We were talking about f- football trends for next season, and we kind of spoke about that because with Man City, there's this feeling of you think they're playing kind of four four two, but Alvarez, this second striker, I think is going to be a big, big talking point next year because both a second striker, you could say Havertz is a second striker, Alvarez is a second striker, Madison is a second striker, Decore is a second striker. All very, very different kinds of players. McTominay <laughs> is very different, doesn't work, but like, but that's that was another thing that we spoke about in the podcast. They're all very different, so there there isn't the same amount. Whereas back in the day, and again in that podcast, the, what I talk about at the start is there's a lot of things here where you could just call them old things, but the context matters. And when it comes to the context, and when it comes to football tactics. What I'm trying to say and what is the starting point when I'm thinking about what could be tactical trends for 2024, all that matters is what's in your head as an opponent. Because yeah. if you want to do something and I can stop you from doing that, mm-hmm. then that's going to aggravate you and it's going to make you uncomfortable, all those things. So coming back to your point, back in the day, it was 4-4-2. You didn't mess about. You hit your front man and you worked from there. And so you had two strikers up top. And so then that's why there is a lot more. Whereas now you've got Diaby playing as a striker. You've got all these guys playing as strikers and then they're not really strikers. So there aren't that many. Last thing on Watkins, he is a £100 million player. For Villa, yeah. 
He is. But, but, but right, if, so uh, there's the question, though. So he, is any other team going to pay that? But does that mean he's not worth it? This is the conversation I have so often on social media. Because for me, he's a £100 million player to Villa, but you will get people saying they're mad asking for that, but they don't want to sell him. Exactly. Therefore, the value exactly. becomes what he's worth to them. People will say to me, a player is only worth what a club is prepared to spend, but I don't see it like that. Because, I mean, we had it with Zaha for years. If we'd have sold him, we probably would have gone down without a trace. So the Premier League money becomes what he is valued to us. Doesn't mean he's worth it to everyone else. And to, Ollie, to Aston Villa, Ollie Watkins is that guy. And also, at Villa, you're, disrupt, you're disrupting something that is so secure. I think football, obviously, we can talk about tactical nuances. But if you win your duels in each box, whether it's like defensively you're solid and um, attacking-wise, you can put the ball in the back of the net, that's the foundation for a solid team. Right now, Aston Villa have got a top three, top four keeper in the Premier League, mm-hmm. and they've got a top two or three striker. To disrupt that, you're going to have to pay big money. And that, yeah. as a result of that, is worth £100 million. And also, Villa have spent money. Mm-hmm. So they need to be getting that money back. This is the problem Man United have had. They spent the money, and they've not brought in any money so that doesn't make it sustainable where Villa you've got something there so they may do it but if Arsenal want to get him it's going to cost 100 million without a doubt and he should okay so he's your number 10 Mm mm-hmm Kweku, who's your number 10 at number 10 I've gone with a number 10 James Madison he's gone Madison I've gone James Madison um you see the effect that he had at Spurs as soon as he came through the door, a traditional number 10 of sorts um and has had the transformative effect um he's somebody that it's the eye test of James Madison. Obviously, he gives you numbers, but also just watching him play football, watching how progressive he is and how how much he wants the ball. It's it's refreshing to see, and it's a, it's a hardback or a throwback to a to a, an era gone by. I really, really like what he's brought to the Spurs team. And you see the fact that Spurs are struggling right now, not just because of his injury, um, but because they've got, they've got a, a plethora of injuries. But he's also a player that brings so much, not just necessarily on the pitch, but off the pitch as well. Back in the last season, obviously, Leicester were not in, in a good place. And so you can maybe hold hold the fact that Leicester went down with, to James Madison, but he also did get the, the, like, decent numbers, numbers as well. Yeah. So I think James Madison, for me, deserves to be in top 10. And if he was, if Leicester were a little bit better last season, he might be even higher. So Madison's missed penalty against Everton, which got Leicester relegated, is the reason he's on the list. <laughs> <laughs> he played a total of 28 matches in 2023, has 10 assists and six goals in that time, but he did miss a penalty against Everton last season, which inevitably sent Leicester down and kept Everton up. But because of this, he got the Spurs move and is very much in the spotlight, meaning he's getting a lot more credit for his output. So feel free to get angry at him, Leicester City fans. Although I think they generally were understood he was going to kind of make make the move regardless. Another thing, last thing I'll talk about that that podcast I recorded this morning, it'll be out very soon, is we talk about that free role. And I think that will be something that we'll see in 2024 a, a lot more. I think there'll be a lot more room for for that free role that James Madison's done brilliantly. And it's great to watch. Like, mm. as, as much as Tottenham are great to watch, Tottenham with Madison in the team are really, really fun to watch. So fun. He is in my 10. He's not number 10, though, for me. So in 10th spot, I've gone for... I've gone for Pascal Gross. I like it. I like it. I like it. Hipsterlean, <laughs> anyone? No, Hipsterlean for sure. He just missed out on my one. I'll let you go on Pascal Gross. I, can't, but, yeah. I couldn't put him in mine. No, <laughs> of yeah, course you could. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, your, your, your list is a mess now. Right? I know. My, my, you. See, this is what happens, you yeah. see. So, Pascal Gross, his performances for Brighton have seen him get selected for Germany after a 12-year absence from the national team. In the last calendar, calendar year, assists per 90, 0.27. That's the top 3%. Shot creating actions per 90, 4.22, top 6%. Progressive passes per 90, 8.5, top 8%. Like many people on this list, there is a video on 
Pascal Grace on the James Lawrence All Got <laughs> channel. So I'll try not to spam it too much with uh, promotion. But there's one on Pascal Grace, and we did speak about how he's probably the most underrated player in the league. And his numbers, I, I think in that video we were talking about how his shot creating action numbers are amazing have been amazing for a very long time he makes that team kind of function to the level that they do i know they've had a difficult second half of this this season sorry of this first half of the season but uh i think he's i just think i needed to give him the flowers man i just think he's one of those who's kind of a bit hidden a lot of the time and I, what i was looking at my list he wasn't initially in there and saliba is not in my list saliba made way because of Pascal Gross, because I then thought about Pascal Gross, and I had to, I just had to get him in there this time. And again, I think an important thing to remember is this isn't who are the best ten players. This is who's had the the best year. And again, recency bias would make you kind of go, oh well, Brighton aren't doing very well right now. There are other names on this list that you could rip apart for similar similar reasons. But he's had an, he's had an amazing year. Amazing. He has. Year. And I went to watch. Uh, Brighton on the weekend and just hearing the fans just walking in where I saw Pascal Gross's name on the team sheet it's just like he's so important to them so important. and he's an incredible footballer as well it's just he he picks up intelligent positions and he keeps them ticking as well if you look at Brighton there's so much so many names there that that get more fanfare whether it's Evan Ferguson whether it's Matoma but really and truly if Pascal Gross isn't in that team Brighton is struggling he's such a good footballer that can play in multiple positions and I'm glad to see him get recalled to Germany the passing the passing brilliance kind of is is leaning towards a sort of that Trent level, not not at that Trent level, of course. Oof. I don't think Trent's level, but he, he in terms of seeing a pass, it's, it's fantastic. The shooting abilities, close again, not at the level, but it's close to a Kevin De Bruyne, and th the understanding and the intelligence is of a Bernardo Silva level, but he doesn't have the physicality of of, of Bernardo Silva. But all those ingredients together. Is, uh, yeah, I just think he's an amazing I, player. I love a footballer with a, with a special move as well. That pulled shot, that that <laughs> very minimal backlift, and it's, and it seems to catch keepers out all the time. Yeah. And he's he's a player that is is very underrated. And because maybe of his profile, lack of physicality, like you touched on, won't be picked out by some of the bigger clubs in this league. But he's so important and so imperative to what Deserbi's Brighton do. Let's bounce back round. Kweku, go on, you go. What, who have you got in... Or should it be me again? I guess it should be me again if we bounce yeah, around. A bit on. like a draft. All right, so I'll go again. Declan Rice. Ooh, ninth. I've got him higher. I've got him higher as well. Yeah. I think West Ham had a... So, this is the thing. This is the problem. West Ham in the Premier League were poor. I guess they actually probably had a better second half of the season, which got them out of trouble. Declan Rice is a great example of that world-class player that... West Ham fan, and I always want to say that because West Ham fans were saying that, and then you see pundits or co-commentators, predominantly Keown. male co-commentators <laughs> and pundits, saying, "Oh, look at you know, look at the run, you know, wow, he can play as an eight, like he could drive <laughs> with the ball for a long time." <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just think I couldn't sneaking up, sneak him up any higher than that. I think he's astounding and I think if it's a... He's also lifted a trophy which is huge so maybe I'm getting this wrong but I, I popped him in ninth place. Great move. Great year for him. But yeah, I, I just had a couple of players a bit higher than him. I mean, for me, if you look at the narrative around Declan Rice across the summer just gone, the desperation that Mikel Arteta had to get him into Arsenal, the desperation that West Ham had to make sure they got top dollar for him because they knew that he was that guy. Yeah. They were, and there was no doubt, even I, you know, I'm not a West Ham fan by any stretch, but it has always frustrated me. I mean, I, I mentioned Martin Keown just a second ago. He was on TV 
roughly a month ago, and he said something along the lines of, I knew he was good, but I didn't realise he was this good. And I'm thinking, what what have you been watching? <laughs> like The guy has been the beating heart of West Ham for the best part of three or four years. Yeah. You don't do that and get... Mm. And to be fair, you know, you can look at West Ham as a fan base and say they're not an elite club in terms of competing for trophies every year. You can't just get by on vibes alone mm. in the middle of that midfield week on week. You have to perform. And he has done that from a very young age, consistently driven them on. Obviously, they've won the trophy that they've won, and that has elevated his profile. But I had no qualms with them demanding £100 million and getting what they got from Arsenal, because if you look at what he's done since, he's slotted in seamlessly to that team, and he looks every part yeah. a world-class player. Yeah, I'm sort of um, I'm, I'm wondering if I've got this wrong a little bit. The, <laughs> I think the th- Do you know what, why I've got him so low? Is I expect the levels that I've seen. I'm not mm. surprised. Yeah. So for but you, it's the base. It's not the yeah. It's sort of it's just above the base. Above that yeah, buttery biscuit base. <laughs> also with Declan Rice, he has. I've rewarded players who score goals in this list. Spoiler alert, because I think that's just the hardest thing to do in football. That's why we watch football because of the goals. Mm. So Declan Rice is in the similar region. He's a little bit higher than you've got him um, on my list, but I just think he his will doesn't get broken. I saw Chelsea play against. Arsenal go 2 0 up and Odegaard didn't want it. He went off and he was pretty happy to go off. Declan Rice did not allow his will to get broken. He scored the goal and dragged them back into it. We've seen him chip in with winners as well goals against Luton, goals against um, Man United, another late winner against somebody else, can't remember. And the game that really stood out for me was Arsenal or Everton versus Arsenal at Goodison Park. Last year, that's the game that Arsenal lost. Their will was broken when they went to Goodison Park. This year, Declan Rice didn't score the goal, but they didn't lose that game because of Declan Rice because he gives that, them that steal, he gives them that determination. And depending on what happens with Odegaard, you wouldn't be surprised to see Declan Rice with the armband very soon because he does represent more than just what he does on the football pitch. He embodies any club he plays for. I'm making a change. <laughs> <laughs> he's, bo- he's, up at, he's at eight now. He's at eight now. I'm going to move him down. I'm going to move someone else down one. Uh, we'll come back to that. I'll tell you that. I'll reveal that in a second. Kweku, who have you got? Actually, I can reveal it because we've spoken about him. Madison. I'm going to put Madison Knight. Okay. That that makes sense. That That's, makes sense. That feels fair now. Okay, yeah. I'm okay with that. And actually, I think if... A, we'll have to come back and do a... Just a top 10. Who are the top 10 players in the Premier League? Yeah. That would be interesting. Because I mm-hmm. think Rice is probably higher when it comes to that. Okay, who's your ninth? We won't, we won't spend too much time on it. Ollie Watkins. Um, Watkins. But yeah, be really impressive. Ollie Watkins. We've discussed him at nauseum. I think he's such a good player. And I think it's it's good in his testament to, to, the, to good scouting, like you mentioned. Like, testament to what... Brentford have got going on there and the fact that he's gone on to do even greater things at Aston Villa is a credit to himself and credit to, to football in general when it works it properly works okay in ninth spot Daniel Jared Bowen he's gone Bowen Ooh. interesting do you want to know why <laughs> oh it's a, oh, it a podcast I'll just I'll just be quiet <laughs> yeah. um, for me There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg... This is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jared Bowen, so I'm going to throw his name out there. There's a West Ham fan, does a podcast. His name's Gio McKenzie, very nice guy. I was talking to him about their best players when I did a preview for our game at the London Stadium a couple of weeks back. And for me, Jared Bowen embodies everything that West Ham fans want to see in their players. Of course, you can look at the the final, the winning goal, etc., etc., the Danny Dyer thing. It all you know feeds into the narrative. But he is very similar to Wally Watkins in a sense. Went to West Ham from Hull. There were certain people that were not sold on the idea of him becoming a success at Premier League level. He just seems to me to be an incredibly consistent attacking outlet. You know, it's, as you said, it's not an easy thing to do to score goals at any level, let alone in the Premier League. And when Jared Bowen isn't available for West Ham, their fans are devastated by it. Because I don't think... Talk about the eye test. You can look at him and say... Is he as dynamic as some of the players on this list? Is he as high profile? No. But in terms of being someone that they can rely upon and someone that embodies their club, I mean, Gio said to me, we've got players on our books, Kudus and Alvarez, they've got huge international followings. He said, in terms of shirt sales, it's Jared Bowen. He is the guy. And I think that in a way, even though we're not talking about numbers of shirt sales here, you look at what he means to West Ham United, I think he has to be on a list given the 2023 he's had with the winning goal because I think he just is West Ham at this point, particularly in the absence of Declan Rice after he went to Arsenal. I hear that. I think that's a good word that you use, outlet. I think he is such an important outlet. I also think, I tweeted this about James Ward-Prowse the other day. I think some players, the uh, the optics on them are hurt by the style of play of the team that they play for. Mm-hmm. And I think for West Ham, that's always going to hurt a Jared Bowen and a, a James Ward-Prowse. And I, I'd be intrigued to say, and obviously there's a lot of spaces at Man United where you could improve, but as a as a right winger, what I would love to, I'd be intrigued to see. I've always felt, I remember seeing when he was at Hull, I'm thinking, what, he's a great finisher. And he's sort of got a striker's mind in the right winger's body. Mm-hmm. And and he's also got the, so he's got the pace of a right winger. In terms of dribbling at, at the opponent, he's he's fine. I'd be intrigued to see in a team that, has possession is high up the pitch all the time. How much is he really creating? He's also, as I say, in terms of that brain, he sort of sniffs out chances a lot of the time. And I think he is perfect at West Ham. So I think that's a good point. But I'd love to see him at at another side, a side that sort of transitions quickly because I think he would be very useful. But would he be a starter? I'm not totally Maybe sure. not, but you used the word outlet. I think effective. And there's a reason why a couple of seasons ago, Jurgen Klopp was sniffing around him. I think in, in the... In a team where he's not asked to do things that he's not comfortable to do, but you can play him maybe down the middle, which he's done a few times for West Ham this season, you can play him out on the right. He's a player that will give you numbers. And you have, I've been burnt by fantasy by not putting Jared on my, <laughs> my team for multiple weeks. And he's just a player that, like you say, embodies what West Ham are um, for various reasons. And I don't have him in my list, but no, he's definitely, definitely an honourable mention for me because I really like the way he plays for Yeah, I think he's, the stats weren't totally there for me he's got two more goal involvements than Rashford this year I think and he scored a big goal I think that's that's crucial and this is, this is, good that he's this in is someone's the problem list, with the list in a sense because yeah, well, you don't can't list. <laughs> <laughs> because you can't quantify how much that goal means to his 2023 yeah. categorically if you see my point like you can it's all emotion that. 
Uh, do you know what? In terms of goals that have been scored that will be remembered in 2023, it's him and it's it's him and it's Rodri. And I think you could quite easily argue his goal will be remembered more intensely and for a longer time because mm-hmm. Man City, you would imagine, would never inevitably go and kind of do it again. Mm. So I think for that, I like, it's good that he's in someone's list. He's not making it on mine though. <laughs> Daniel, who is in eighth? Where I, are we? I've, eighth I've just done. So, yeah, we can do another one. Are we going to? Are you yeah, going to go? Gonna but are we do, we're doing the. Keep yeah. back, okay, yeah. eight Saka. He's got Saka and eight. Whoa, the Twitter engagement goes through the roof. <laughs> Buzzing. Okay, that is low for me, I'll be honest. Low for me too. Okay, uh, state your piece. Well, it, it, this sounds like a cop out now. It's not. Bakayo Saka for me is an incredible footballer and someone that could easily be in the top four or five of this list. I feel as though he is such a consistently quality performer that if you look at his high ceiling, I wouldn't even suggest that he has played anything close to his top level yet. Because you look at his age and how much he has already done in the game, it's quite incredible when you actually think about him as a an established Premier League star. He's 22. He's got an incredible... You know, it's mad. And obviously the narrative around the missed penalty in the European Championship final, that sort of catapulted him to national fame in a sense for not reasons that he would want. But I think it... I mean, I said it on Twitter the other day. There aren't many players outside of Palace that I truly admire and and appreciate. I hear him talk. I see the way he goes about his game. I just think he's got everything that you need to be a superstar at a huge club. And even though I've got him down at eight, I think that's because in two, three, four years' time, he could go and have a season where he scores 20 goals and gets 10 assists and just be the absolute star of Arsenal in a title-winning team. So for me, even though he's been fantastic, I wouldn't put him above certain players in this list that I think have had better 2023s for them, if you see my point. Right. Interesting. Okay. So in terms of outdoing his PB... Yeah. So you th- feel like his ceiling is incredibly high. Does he deserve to get a bit more credit because this lad's 22? 100%. It's the consistency. Um, and it's what we said before, the best abilities, availability. Biakaya Saka is always available for Arsenal. And you think about this Arsenal, not rebrand, but Arsenal resurgence. It doesn't happen without Bukayo Saka. He's the he's the weight. He's the anchor for it because he's their star boy. He comes through the academy. He's somebody that obviously when he came to the team started playing in a different position. But without Bukayo Saka, you don't have this goodwill, this good feeling around Arsenal. Who, let's be honest, barring the FA Cup in twenty twenty, haven't actually won anything. But it feels like all these other teams that are trying to catch up to Man City are using Arsenal as an example. And part of that is Bukayo Saka. He is the example of what you want a star boy to be. Somebody who comes through your academy, the way he speaks, the way he plays football. And somebody made an interesting observation on Twitter. It's like, Bukayo Saka plays football like he's never played football in the cage with his boys. It's functional. It's efficient. It's mm. not necessarily glossy, but he knows his job. And if if you're a left back, you've got a long day. You've got a long yeah. day against Bukayo Saka because he, for some reason, he's not necessarily the most explosive, but he's deceptively strong. And he will just come into it on his left foot. He can even go on his right foot as well. And week after week, he's giving you numbers, whether that's goals, whether that's assists. And I just can't say too many good things about Bukayo Saka. I think he's one of the best players in the Premier League. Yeah, I've got him higher on my list as well. 37 matches this year, scored 13 goals, got 12 assists. That means 25 goal contributions in 37 matches. I also think... I like... uh, With my list, I was kind of thinking about who are the players that you lean on? Hmm. Who gets you out of trouble? And I, I always think that when when you've when a, at a lower level, so when you played 
with players in a team that goes and wins something. You've got a guy who goes, thank God we got him. He'll get us out of trouble. And I think actually, to your point, Daniel, I don't think we've we've seen some of that. And I think that's why he's so important. And then when you mix that with the fact that he's 22, you're just like, wow. Mm. And he's so durable. That is a fear for me. I, I, I'm, and he's, I saw a stat this week. He got his debut under Unai Emery mm -hmm. and he's 22. And I was sort of like, what? I was trying to do the maths. <laughs> but he's just been brilliant for a long time and played in different positions. He is so intelligent, so intelligent. I think the next thing, again, back to your point, has he got the anger to go, right, give me the ball, let me fix this? I, I'm, that's what I want to see. I want to see the anger. I, I think it's I controlled think anger. Yeah, I, 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 this is, there. I watch him and I think... I mean, I've seen it for years. Like Zaha used to get kicked, he loses his head, right? And it's it's him. He wears his heart on his sleeve. That's the way Wilf is. Whatever. Saka gets kicked relentlessly, and he doesn't allow it to affect this. Or if it does, it affects him in a way where he's like, "I'm not even going to show you that I'm annoyed. I'm just going to do it." Mm. But like you said, he doesn't do it by going and doing four step overs and embarrassing someone. He'll just drive past the ball to someone completely functionally. And you end up winning the game and he's just standing there like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think for Arsenal to win the league this year, you've got to have those guys that are going to mm -hmm. step up for you. Declan Rice has been that guy in this first half and that's why I've been able to bump him up. He is my eighth spot currently. <laughs> we'll see. Saka, you need to have more than one though. You know, Man City have been able to do it. De Bruyne, but then, you know, Haaland was the second guy who could do that for them. Gundogan was able to step up and do it for them. You've got to have more than one. Three's ideal. Is Saka that guy? We'll I, see next year. I love the rebrand of Bukayo Saka as well in terms of like, yeah, when he first came in happy, smiley, more steely, you see him on the runways doing fashion week. I'm like, oh, Bukayo Saka, you, you're a different guy now. Got the Patterson celebration, which I like to see. He's embracing being a superstar mm. and he understands what he means to that football club. He's front and centre of all the campaigns. He's front and centre of everything good that Arsenal do on the football pitch. And to me, the world's is always the second best right winger in the world and soon, as when Mo Salah steps out the limelight, he's going to be the best winger in the world. Yeah, well, when he stops being cute and we see the snarl, then it's on. Yeah. Dennis really on. What a player. Right. Uh, eighth spot. I've got Rice. So, uh, Quaker, who's, sorry, who's your eighth yeah, spot? Yeah, I've got Rice as well. I've got, got Rice, Rice okay. as well, yeah. Um, obviously, Wax Lyrical about him, but he's an incredible player. Okay, we're on our way back round to me. So, it's seventh spot for you, Quaker. Seventh spot, Bernardo Silva. What's um, it? And this is, this is... I do, what? Your, rea your reaction oh. to it is maybe... Maybe making me reconsider. That's but like, why this podcast is yeah, good. Just, yeah, yeah, I'll just tell you <laughs> what happened in there. Bernardo Silva is a win for eye test football. Like, he's a win for people who actually want to watch football because he doesn't necessarily give you the numbers consistently, although he does give you that sometimes. But in terms of the way he plays football, it's just a sight to behold. Almost a, sh a shame that his surname's Silva because he's never going to escape that shadow <laughs> of David Silva, who everybody will, will lord as being one of the best centre midfielders in Premier League history, one of the best players. But because Bernardo Silva came after him and he kind of overlapped that era, I think he hasn't necessarily got the love from football fans that he should do. What an incredible footballer that last season Pep Guardiola uses a secret weapon, played in so many different positions, whether it's centrally, whether it's out wide, whether it's a false nine, he can do it all. And I know that seventh on this list seems low um, because I, again, have rewarded players that put a ball in the back of the net or have had bigger moments. But for me, Bernardo Silva is just, is an absolutely beautiful player. And we have to appreciate him because it seems like every single summer he's linked with a move away. And when he does eventually leave, he'll be one of these players that we talk about. Maybe he gets lost and forgotten in a generation because there are so many players that do effective things in terms of goals and assists but people of our generation will remember how good Bernardo Silva and I think he deserves his flowers despite the fact I put him in seventh I'm so annoyed we're going to have to wait until I talk about Bernardo Silva we have to keep going he is not in seventh
decent spot for me. <laughs> I can't for, believe throw him out of the studio. That's I'm, shocking. Mate. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I will sorry. also try and look to trademark Golden Silver. He's better than David Silver now. He's gone past Ooh, David Silver. Has he? For me, yeah. So he gets a statue outside their tent. I'm, I'm not sure yeah, I, I can go. They're running out of space. <laughs> sorry. I'm not sure I can go quite as far. You're not as going there. Being above David I think just because you sometimes you've got to accept that okay, this guy was there first. Bernardo Silva is a, is a joke of a footballer. We'll we'll, we'll return to that. Mm-hmm. Okay, seventh spot. I've got Trippier. Ooh, he's not even in my ten. He's not in your ten. He's higher for me. Is he really? Well, there yeah. you go. You have got the full spectrum. Yeah. Well, there you go. So Kieran Trippier, he's had a tough week. And, and, and since I get another video on the channel, and since we've done that video, it has been atrocious. Um, but in terms of Newcastle, where you see them now and where they have been taken to, he is such a symbol of that. And also as a right back, he is he touched the ball so many times during a game. He's another playmaker for them. Defensively, generally very switched on. I think he is shattered right now as is the the rest of that team. And I know people don't like that as an excuse, but I think Newcastle, I think you can allow for it a little bit. Uh, I think the mental side of it as well, because I think it's, you know, I think there's a lot going on there when it comes to the Champions League as well. But fantastic on the ball. I think in terms of his stats, that they're there as well. Uh, let me just get them up. He's like, here we go. So after 16 games this season, he's already got seven assists. Last season, he had seven assists in 38 matches. Top 1% for shot-creating actions over the last 12 months, 4.48. I think for what he was and how people saw him and how you see him now, I think you have to take your hat off if you are wearing one, or metaphorically if you're not, because I think he's just been so important in, in every single way. And I think a couple of bad games doesn't wash that away from me. So that's why I've got him in seventh spot. I completely agree with that. I think I think Kieran Trippier symbolises what Newcastle are. And they are a team that are suffering an injury pandemic right now. He played every single Premier League game last season. He's played every game up until now. Obviously, he's going to be suspended um, for the upcoming weekend. But he's just a player that, without a special... I've talked about special moves. He hasn't got a special move. He he, do, his joy special move is... Go on. He does it quicker than you. Yeah, it's true. He's very, he's, very, he's, very He does quick it so quick. Go That's back true. and watch. Go back and watch the game against... Might have been Crystal yeah, Palace. Well, he rinsed us. He rinsed you, but he just does it He just <laughs> yeah. does it quickly and the players know that. Same... Look at the Man United goal, uh, the winning goal there. Anthony Gordon makes the movements he makes because... He knows that Trippier is not going to take a touch, get to the ball. He's going to, and it's the delivery as well. Yeah, you're so the delivery of the balls. You're so right. And he's a leader too. I think that's that gets lost. And also, like if you look at if you look at these modern fullbacks, who everybody loves, obviously Rishane's perpetually injured, but strength, power, pace. Trent is we put him in a different category. Carl Walker, strength, power, pace. Kieran Trippier is just a he's he's a bit smaller than those guys but what he has picked up in terms of his travels and I love the fact that he's gone away mm. Atletico Madrid he picked up that that dog that dirtiness that the dark arts um, obviously during his time at Spurs he had a very very different role and he's a player that's that's cultured and he's, he's bringing that to Newcastle and he obviously he's won the captain's armband multiple times over the last year and a player that deserves a lot of credit he's, like I say he's higher on my list but in terms of Kieran Trippier, in terms of where we thought he would be, when he went to Atletico Madrid, he thought he went there to die. We thought he went, metaphorically, football-wise. Football <laughs> yeah, but he, 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 he came back. He came back and, and came to a Newcastle team that won the great position. And if he weren't there, they wouldn't be where they're at right now. Yeah, first I mean, to go as well, right? Seventh spot, Daniel. So seventh spot, this is this is controversial, this. Douglas Louise. I just feel like... Corner goal merchant, yeah, the naysayers I, will say. I don't want to be... Oh, you know, most underrated player ever. But you talk to Villa fans, they adore this man. And that in itself, I mean, for me, 
we've said it already on the podcast, Villa are, I hesitate to call them a surprise package this year. I actually remember saying on a previous Ripple Effect episode with you that I thought Villa were going to have a fantastic season under Unai Emery. He just embodies, very similar to Watkins, being well coached, but being able to consistently give the bigger sides bloody noses. Mm -hmm. You know, he is part of that team. They feel as bonded as any side in the league so far for me. And he is such a a versatile player for them that I just feel he deserves to be on the list. If anything, you know, I couldn't put him any higher because there are so much so many quality players above him that it just felt a little bit like it was going to be playing with fire. Yeah. But he undeniably for me deserves to be in the 10 because of what he has offered to Aston Villa across 2023. A, I, I get it. I get why he's in there for you. I think it's one where again, by the end of this season, it'd be interesting to see how, you know, how we would kind of look at it again. 10 goals and seven assists from central midfield. Again, another player who kind of, you're seeing a different side of him as a player, whereas what people thought he was a six, he's obviously not a six. We've seen that now. Uh, ranks in top 13% for non-penalty goals per 90 for central midfielders. 3.49 shot creating actions per 90 as well. Yeah, one of the most underrated players in the league. Let's keep going. Daniel, I'll tell you what, we could just go to you. Um, whoever I go to, you just speak. Okay. Sixth spot, who are you going for? I've got Declan Rice in at six. Okay. So I will go next. In sixth spot, I've got Ollie Watkins. I put him in sixth just because I think generally teams are screaming for a striker that you can rely upon that's going to score goals that's going to be part of that build-up play as well and he's just he's everything man I think he's amazing I think he's absolutely fantastic and obviously people get so super excited about Hoyland when he comes in or these other strikes that come in. Watkins is better than Hoyland fact for me okay so he's my sixth spot Quickie who you got in sixth Martin Odegaard um Again, maybe a player that could be docked for a start to this season. It's not been that it's not in my best. list. It's not in my list. No, that's that's understandable. I remember Gary Neville talking a few years ago when Eden Hazard was in the Premier League, talking about having an unhealthy obsession with Eden Hazard. I've got an un, as a Chelsea fan, I've got unhealthy obsession with Martin Odegaard. I absolutely <laughs> love him. I think he, I think he's just in terms of again eye test football, he just passes it so slick. And this season, Arsenal very different. You saw it a little bit in the Luton game. He drops deeper. He's a, he's a deep lying playmaker now. Declan Rice is a bit further forward and he allows Arsenal to play a little bit differently and have a bit more control. It's weird I pointed out the losing game because they didn't really have much control in that one. But it's his position is slightly changing. He's now becoming a bit more deep lying. And I love the fact that he's got that versatility because in my mind, Martin Odegaard can play in the number 10. And he can be in number 8. But the fact that he's now playing a little bit deeper speaks to his versatility you wouldn't have thought of Martin Odegaard when he joined Arsenal as a leader, but he has got the captain's yeah. armband. And I think you've seen it too, right? You have seen it too. Times. And and maybe he's a little bit more cerebral than you'd see in the traditional captain of a Premier League team that are going to trade to major honours. But he just seems to bring everything to a level with an Arsenal team that are very emotional. He kind of brings that down a little bit. I just love the way he plays football. I think he's got the potential to go and play for Arsenal are one of the biggest teams as well. Got the potential to go back to Real Madrid and be one of those guys, especially when Modric leaves. And Martin Odegaard, I'm surprised he's not on any of your list because pound for pound in the Premier League in his day, he's a top three player for me. Yeah, I th- it's this season, sort of, let's call them growing pains. I think that mix between, say, what Ange is doing with Madison and what Man City have, which of course we know Arteta looks at what Pep does uh, a little bit, you know, similar philosophies. I'm just trying to figure out what, what is Odegaard's future in that Arsenal team as you look to kind of utilise Havertz and how do you get best out of him? The relationship between him and uh, Saka, I think, is kind of changing. Ben White used often, but again, it's the team now is not the team. We did a podcast last week with, with Alex, who spoke about it brilliantly, that they are adding tools to their 
tools to their arsenary. That's not right. Weapons to their arsenary. And I think Odegaard is a moving part in that. And I wonder if it will lean towards a little bit more of that free role that Mm -hmm. we're talking about, where will he go and get involved a bit more or will Arteta allow that with the structure that he likes. Do you know Antoine, Antoine Griezmann in uh, in the World Cup for France? And the reason why England lost against France because Antoine Griezmann was allowed to do what he wants to drop in those spaces. Odegaard does that now for Arsenal and he has a new dynamic. Mm. Oh, mate, I'm obsessed with him. Yeah, <laughs> I think if, I'd love to see them take the handbrake off and, and let him really, really do that. It'd be interesting to see how that works out. The thing for me with Odegaard, if, if you go back to when he was first at Real Madrid, this true wonder kid... How easy it would be for him to have just fallen on a scrap heap. Because, I mean, we've seen it over the years. You get these players, Freddie Adu immediately comes to mind. This player that was supposed to be the next big thing. Martin Odegaard was in that category. And for him to not only carve out a career at the top level, but to be so pivotal to Arsenal, I think it shows a tremendous strength of character. Because he hasn't rested on his laurels. He mm. seems to have this real inner drive, not to prove his doubters wrong, but to make sure that that early promise when he was 16 and 17 years old it's is realised. You know, that, that going to Real Madrid is a, a very young teenager. I know obviously Jude has done what Jude Bellingham has done, you know, moving to Real Madrid this year. But you look at what Martin Odegaard represented when he first moved to Real Madrid. He was supposed to be that guy. Mm. And alright, he's not there now. But like you said, he could easily go back there in 18 months time and slot into that side. And I think that's an incredible accolade for him. I think you need that what Bellingham has is that those physical elements as being, what is he, 6'2"? And, mm, and huge, be able yeah. to drive. Look, I mean, watching him live, he just eats the ground. It's just, it's a, incredible. For Odegaard as a youngster, 16 to be around all of that, is, I think is very difficult. And you, you know, what makes you special is your mind a lot of the time. And I think that's the same with Odegaard here. It is cruel that he's not in either of our lists, but I, you know, it's tough. Okay, let's keep moving. So fifth spot. Go on, Quaker, you go again. Um, won't spend too much time on that. Kieran Trippier, um, I just think he's amazing. I think he's done so well uh, since his move to, to Newcastle. And he, like, it, like we said, he embodies everything that this modern Newcastle is. Okay, I've gone for Saka in fifth. I think I, I just I sort of started with him like right up the top and then I just gently like moved him down past the players, the other players. Again, it's about kind of who do you need and who's offered that for you? I think he's been absolutely brilliant. And I absolutely love him to bits. Um, I think Odegaard is a little bit unlucky because actually in the back end of last season, as disappointing as it was, he actually scored quite a, his stats kind of went up, up in terms of goals and stuff like that. So he did look to step up a little bit. But I just I think Saka is utterly irreplaceable for that mm-hmm. Arsenal team on that right hand side. He's so crucial. So he's my fifth spot. Daniel, who's your fifth? Rodri. Rodri fifth. Just, just, a silence clang yeah. works its way through the studio. Do you know? Do you know what it is? Rodri is so good that I just, like you said, I just expect it from him. Yeah. It, it depends. It depends how you're going to quantify twenty twenty three because we're into the upper reaches of the list now, mm. and there are players that I haven't got on my list that I could quite easily have included. We can wax lyrical about another ten. You know, it's mm. not yeah. hard and fast. Obviously, Rodri could easily be number one. I just look at what he offers and I look at the consistency that he has. And maybe for me on a personal level, it's just what I expect from him. You know, it's similar to what I said about Saka. You can talk about a 2023 as a fantastic footballer, or you could talk about what he potentially could do in 2024. And I still think there is room for Rodri to go to another level. Really? So I I just, it sounds like a cop-out, but obviously as as we're into the upper five now, Mm. you know, every single player on this list is a truly exceptional footballer. And with him, obviously he's had huge moments. He's been part of a treble winning side, 
But I look at the four above him, and I think in terms of their 2023 as an isolated period, I would, I would suggest they've outperformed him based on their levels. I have to disagree. So here's a couple of stats for him. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So, first of all, does Man City's record without Rodri make him the most important player in the league for their club? Manchester City's win percentage with Rodri is 75%. Without, it's 20%. This is Man City. That is goals insane. scored per game with Rodri, 2.6. Without, 1.4. Goals conceded per game with him, 0.9. Without, 1.6. No Man City player played more games last season than Rodri with 56. Yeah, and, and the numbers... Champions League winner. For a CDM, Maybe I the numbers speak for themselves because quite hard to... The, the metric's quite difficult to track for a player that plays in this position. But you look at Man City team where KDB's been out for the whole of the beginning of the season. You look at Man City team where Gundogan, their match winner's gone. And Rodri is a match winner, whether it's by chipping in with goals or just his incredible range of passing or his ability to kind of drop in between the, the centre-backs when the attacking players go forward. He can do absolutely everything. He's, he's higher on my list. And I feel like in terms of importance to a team, there might not be anybody on this list who's more important to their team than Rodri. Mm. Okay. Let's keep going then. So you've not got Rodri in fourth? No. Okay. So in fourth, I've got uh, Bukayo Saka. We've talked about him okay. um, multiple times, but yeah, Saka's fourth on mine. Saka in fourth on your list. I've got Mohamed Salah in fourth on my list. He's, <laughs> he's third on mine. He's third. You gave me a... Oh, on, sorry, I've, 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 got, I've gone good. straight in. Let's go 3-2-1. So, uh, <laughs> so I've gone for Salah. I think, first of all, let me reel off his stats to make me look as stupid as possible. And I know Liverpool fans, let's be honest, we're all petrified Liverpool fans. <laughs> and, and I know you're going to come for me, okay? And I get it. I've had it all week. Yes, I bet. Does the fact that Man City won a treble take away from the credential, his credentials in the last 12 months? 39 goal contributions in 2023, the third most of any player in Europe's top five leagues. His rankings in the last 12 months are a joke. Non-penalty goals per 90, 0.52, top 2%. Goals per 90, 0.66, top 1%. Assists per 90, 0.49, top 1%. Goals and assists per 90, 1.09, highest in Europe's top five leagues come on man like I think right now we need to sit back and appreciate Mo Salah because I think this is a farewell tour I think there's going to be an offer coming in in the summer from Saudi Arabia that it's just going to be too difficult for him to turn down and I feel like right now we need to appreciate what we're seeing it's a mm. shame that he gets dragged into arguments when Eden Hazard retires we talk about Mo Salah and how he's not as good as Eden Hazard technically this guy since he's come into the Premier League has absolutely balled and 2023 is just a continuation of what Mo Salah's been doing for the last five six seasons he is an incredible incredible footballer that without him Liverpool are not there's the Liverpool pre-Mo Salah there's Liverpool post-Mo Salah they are two very different things the yeah. first season he comes in everyone thinks it's a fluke he scores all those goals <laughs> and he's just continued to do it and maybe he doesn't necessarily pass the eye test all the time but when you need a goal against your boys on the weekend yeah, yeah. Mo Salah will deliver and give you numbers what is the uh, eye uh, test though when you uh, consider someone like Salah yeah. because of his numbers as well yeah. it's like 
It's all about players embodying a club. You know, I, I, obviously, we're in the present day with Klopp, with Salah at Liverpool now. And you talk about Liverpool's history, you talk about the managers they've had, you talk about Gerrard, Carragher, etc. In 20 or 30 years' time, Mohamed Salah is he's up there with Liverpool greats unquestionably. Of course. Mm-hmm. And then you compare it to, I mean, sorry to bring this up, you look at him at Chelsea, you couldn't have foreseen this. It, it wasn't there. Yeah. Mika Richards knew. You know, it's it's mad. Like when you actually think about it, obviously the the Kevin De Bruyne thing at Chelsea is one of those huge errors getting rid of him and he's gone to City, he's done what he's done. But you look at what Salah has been able to achieve at Liverpool compared to the way that he was perceived at Chelsea. It just isn't something that you would... He's going to change it's, his list. This is this is the problem, though. We've got, we've got so many quality players in the league. You could chop and change all day. He he's just he's just undeniable. And like you say, Liverpool are playing the three pm kickoff, and you haven't watched it. You can almost put your money or put your house on the fact that Salah's I've got a goal or assist. So here's the difficulty. So I put there were three players. I was like, they have to be, I for the for this year they have to be above him. They have to, and but now as we discuss it, the problem you have is that. Rodri, for example, we talk about that stat of how they win without him. Salah, you don't see it. No. Because he's playing every single time. He plays time. every, plays every game. The availability thing. So, the availability thing. Oh, we're, we're into splitting hairs at the top well, three or four. We're going to have to have a conversation. Let, let's, get, let's get down to one and we might have a little wiggle at the end for me. <laughs> so fourth spot, Daniel, who have you got? Son. you got my son? Mm. Wow. I just feel like... Daniel, your list. I know, but, I, but the thing is, I'm so used to getting stick now that I, I just go with <laughs> I like it. Do you know what I mean? With, with Harry Kane at Spurs, yeah. he was the star man of all star men. He, you know, he was Tottenham. And I think, not to suggest that Hume's son didn't have the star power, mm. but I think you look at his 2023, there were plenty of people who, there, there were people writing Spurs off with Postacoglu in terms of a top half finish. And there will still be people, I'm sure, saying that they'll bottle it and Postacoglu's football is ridiculous. You you get all these narratives. I watched Son against Newcastle. He's phenomenal. He's unbelievable footballer. He's He's got pace. He's got skill. He's got vision. He can finish. He can set people up. He's got everything. Do you know what I was thinking? Do you know what he'd be incredible at? Like an NFL combine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Technically, he's nuts. Mm-hmm. He's he's, go- he's like a ballet dancer when but he's running It's insane, it. though, because I remember I, think I came on here and I said that Son, like, he's effective down the middle, but he's lost something. He's lost that yard of pace that made him light in a couple of seasons ago. He's got that back. You saw him outpace Jeremy Doku. Like, yeah, what yeah, is yeah, going yeah. on? Jeremy Doku, he did. Uh, yeah, Lascelles had to pull him back, didn't he? He's, I think he has got like, that little zip back. He has, and. and Maybe the shadow of Harry Kane looms so large, and maybe it's a bit of fatigue last season. But Hyungman's song this season's on smoke. I don't have him on my mind list just because last season was disappointed, despite the fact that he did get to double figures in the Premier League. So that tells you what his levels at. Everyone thought he had a disaster of a season. He still got to ten Premier League goals. Yeah. Um, but I just think that that last season is a bit of an indictment on on twenty twenty three as a whole. I agree. I think yeah, that's why he wasn't on my list. I didn't. Even, I, I kind of just forgot about him as soon as I thought about last season. Again, that's kind of down to. He was washed. He was finished in the summer. He was finished. I, I try to not, you know, jump into the sort of, oh, he's gone thing. Mm. You yeah. know, the Harry Kane narrative around Spurs was so large, mm-hmm. especially with, you know, the Conte situation blowing up the way it did. You've got Postacoglu coming in there this summer. 
And it's difficult. The, the 2023 thing obviously is a time capsule, and I completely understand why neither of you have got him on your list. It's, it's, it stands to reason. I just feel like, and it's sort of a lot of these players, for me, when you come down to the 10, they become victims of their own success. You expect such fantastic things from these people week on week. Hyun Min Son is an incredible, consistent performer, and I feel he's really got his mojo back in the early part of this season. I think he's more pivotal than ever to Spurs because of Harry Kane's absence. And he is taking on that starring role mm. under Postacoglu mm. and really living up to it, which is not something that I think everyone thought he would be able to do. do it, it, again, it showcases that the style of play now utterly suits him. Mm. On the left too, because, yeah. okay, we're going to get the ball, we're going to work the way a ball up to you and then you're going to be one-on-one with a, with a full-back and you're not shattered because we've tro- we've made our way up the pitch, not go quick mm-hmm. run because Kane's got the ball, he's going to play it to you soon. So that's why he was spent. Yeah, but yeah, he's, he's not on my list. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, top three, Kweku. Give us your third spot. Mo Salah already discussed him and already. I just think, like I said, we need to appreciate Mo Salah because uh, with so many of these superstars, don't appreciate it, appreciate them till they're gone. And in the Premier League, when we're going through this, I was looking at who are genuine superstars. Obviously, the big Norwegian who we're going to talk about <laughs> a little bit later on. Not on my list. The bona fide superstar. But we really lost something as a product in the Premier League when Harry Kane went to Bayern Munich. And we all said, go on, Harry, go and win some trophies. But if you're looking at genuine bona fide superstars in the Premier League, we haven't got that many. Mo Salah is that. And I think we should appreciate what he does. And for me, he's always going to be in the top three of any list I do. Okay. So you've got Salah in third. Let me... Let me... How do we do this best? So I've got... And this is still up for debate. Uh, give me your third, Daniel. We'll Salah. You've gone Salah as well. Okay. So, I, I want to talk about three players. Okay. So, my second and third I had were... I had Rodri in second, Silva in third, Salah in fourth. Okay. So, if you want to compare Salah with the numbers of Silva, he obviously wipes the floor with him. And do you know what? I'm going to stick with Salah in fourth. Here we are. Salah is in third place for me because of the of the eye test. Every single time I watch him, I think you are an utter nightmare to play against. Mm. You go into positions where I think I'm more defensively minded than offensively minded. And I think, oh, don't go. There. I, I wouldn't want you to go there. Mm-hmm. He is incessant. He touches the ball everywhere. He plays in every position. Mm-hmm. His intellect and the positions that he gets into... You know, recent examples include the last couple of games uh, against uh, Liverpool, Liverpool. Uh, where he's just in that horrible position. His understanding, he will be an incredible coach. He will be an incredible coach if he wants to be. Mm-hmm. Because we're doing a video right now, which will be out very soon. It's talking about sixes. And so we feel that Rodri would be an incredible uh, manager as well, as are a lot of sixes of the past I think that's the next super manager is is those guys because they have that mind and the reason they have that mind for modern football is that overall understanding of everything that's going on and I think two players have it that aren't a six right now and Silva is one of them and Modric is is another one of them Mm -hmm. they have the ability to sort of scurry around uh, ability to dribble with the ball the technical touch of them again the physical side of it you should you look at them and you go they shouldn't be as impactful as they are and Bernardo Silva is at that level for me I, and from a defensive point of view he wins tackles he creates he scores goals he does everything and Salah is out- outrageous I get it and it's close and even Rodri and Silva I, I've 
I've sort of swapped them round just because I put Rodri in second spot because for the year that Rodri has had to score the goals that he has and how crucial he is to that team. I think if you take Silva out, I think over time you will see it because he fills in a lot of gaps for them, uh, both in a game and positionally. He's played left back. He's played all, all over the place. But Rodri, for, for the year he's had, mm. I just sneak him above. Well, just sneak him above. Well, I agree with that. And if, you are, if you're analysing Bernardo in a vacuum, I completely agree with everything you said we can't talk enough about how good he is. But if you're looking at Bernardo within the pantheon of people who had great years, last season, you're probably naming about three City players before you name Bernardo. You're naming KDB, you're naming Haaland, you're probably naming Gundogan, if you're talking about sure. big game and Rodri. So you're naming about three or four players before him. And that's why I love Bernardo in, as a player and probably City's either top three player, a City player. But in terms of 2023, I just can't have him that high because I think there's other City players that were more impactful and then winning the trebles. I think the second half as well, though, I, I, I see it too. Yeah, it's true. Mm. And I think in terms of a player that gets the best out of, of others, Jeremy Doku's not doing the numbers he's doing if, if Bernardo Silva's not yeah. on the pitch. But also to the same fact, probably because of Rodri as well. I just think for both halves of the season, I had to, had to put him in there. But Rodri overall, I think is... And, and the thing with Rodri... Overall, the goals he scores mm. for a six, you don't see that that often. So that's why I've got him in, in second spot. I find it difficult with City to not separate them. I'm not suggesting that they are one body, but they have such quality in so many different positions that sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming to try and pick out the true... There's no outliers, you, is you, there? You, you can look at stats, and mm. obviously stats play a large role in a list like this, but it's why I've got Rodri as low as I have. Because mm. for me... You know, Rodri is a fantastic footballer, but we all know they don't win the treble without as many quality performers as they've got. And that in itself, obviously there is one person that we haven't named yet that we are going to name because mm. he is such an outlier. But the rest of that squad has just such quality throughout it that you can point towards different aspects yeah, of different yeah. players' games that make it, you know, the whole sum of its parts. Two things can be true, right? And that's what, often I, I get a bit of stick about Aguero because I struggle to give him the flowers because it's, it. the, it's kind of there. Like, is he outrageous? Him. But it, com <laughs> it, comes, it comes there, like, it, or it gets to that point when you're analysing dynasties and you look at the United dynasty, it's like, oh, Roy Keane was amazing, but he does make a lot of people's all-time 11s. Paul Scholes amazing. David Beckham's amazing. And because they are also amazing, entity, right? you can't really analyse them individually, speaking yeah. to what you're saying now. And it's and just a hard one. So you could, with one hand, you go, well, Salah, what's he won this year? Yeah. And second hand, you go, well, look at his fucking stats. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's tricky. Uh, so second spot, Danny, who you got? Silver. Got silver in second spot. Oh, wow. Okay. So you the same as Jim in terms of like the way you, uh, you see I, Silver? I, I just love him. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm biased because I'm not suggesting we're starved of footballers at Palace. We've obviously got Ebbs and we've got Michael and we had Wilf and Joel Ward. Joel Ward. Don't... Don't talk down on yeah, I, I say it all the time. You don't spend a decade in a Premier League side without being without being solid. But obviously, this is a top ten player in twenty twenty three. But just let's just let's just make the whole thing about Joel Ward from now on. But no, Silver for me is just the joy. You know, you watch him. There are certain players. I mean, we were talking about it before we started recording. For me, you watch some players live, yeah. and you just think, wow. Like he's not on my list, of course. Riyad Mahrez. I remember watching him at Sellers once and he controlled a ball out of the air. It landed in his foot like it was just Velcro. Like and I'm it. thinking, how is that even physically possible? And watching Bernardo Silva live, I just think, 
what is going on here? Yeah. You know, outside, as a prime example, we're a mid-table Premier League team. They are no mugs, Palace players. And they look at points against players like Bernardo Silva, like it's men versus boys. It's like year 11s taking on year 7s and it's just an embarrassment. Yeah. And it's no criticism of our players it's just how good those certain individuals are and Bernardo Silva for me is just right up there but like you said it's, it's all personal it's, preference I think it's good for football as well Silva's high on this list because his body has he's got no right he's got no, no right to be at this level but you know all shapes and sizes it works as long as you're kind of smart enough and technically good enough as well um, yeah last thing on him I, I was just thinking that so you have that eye test but then I look at heat maps a lot too much and He's the one that when you look at his heat maps, you go, holy shit. The whole like, thing's red. He's everywhere. He's yeah. absolutely <laughs> So he's second on my list. Who is second on your list? Koku. Rodri. Um, yeah, we, we've talked about Rodri. He's just the goals, man. Like, I, I, I've rewarded people who score goals. And that's why I've rewarded Rodri. as a DM who scores important goals. A winning goal in the Champions League final. I think that just elevates your notes about Premier League. But you can't, you can't analyse that in a vacuum. Um, and Rodri's just... I wouldn't say that he's redefined the position. Um, but he's definitely he's definitely elevated it. And now when we're talking about the CDMs going for this much, the barometer is Rodri. And the barometer is what he does. And if you can't do that, um, then people are going to find shortcomings in your game because he's just so good at it all. And then without him this season, City, I know they're fourth in the Premier League right now, they might be even lower. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's the brain of that team. Yeah, he's is. the brain of that team. So uh, in top spot, then, guys. <laughs> Drum roll, please. We've danced around it long enough. Um is it Haaland? Have we all gone for it's Haaland? It's James Tarkovsky. No. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Ward, number one. Uh, it has to be. It has to be Haaland, obviously after the season that he has had. Uh, I think this is an easy one. Kweku, thoughts on Haaland? Is he good? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, slow starts of the season, score 14 to 15 Premier League games. Fair enough. Um, and he's, we've said it before. Walker's he's, got more goals. In 2023. In 2020, fair, yeah. enough, fair enough. But like a lot of wow, goals, that a fact? Uh, he scored a lot of goals in Europe that maybe Haaland would have probably scored double the amount of against some of the teams that they played against. Haaland, what City were pre-Haaland was they were metaphoric. They were what they would dominate you, but it'd be a metaphoric domination. It's like, oh, they dominated you because they had 60% possession or 70% possession. This is a physical imposition of will with this player. He's a player that you feel him. And we've talked about it before. It's like Shaquille O'Neal for those people who like basketball. It's just, he, you can't really, it's hard to quantify it. I and mean, I'm glad we've all got number one in this list because we have to appreciate what we're seeing. The numbers are outrageous, like absolutely insane. And then you see him as a footballer and there's a bit of play. Um, it was the game against Spurs with the goal that got this, uh, or not the goal that got disallowed. The ball went through, and obviously the, the referee blew the whistle before the Greenish could go through. Just the, the the touches and the and the ball, we underestimate how good of a footballer he actually is because it gives you so, so many numbers. He does a similar thing against Chelsea actually for one of the goals. He yeah. sort of hold up play. His hold yeah. up play is incredible, and and I don't think that we'll see a player come to the Premier League and hit these numbers straight away ever again because he's at the best team, he is the best striker, and there's a reason why he's number one on all of our lists. I, I, yeah, I, the one thing I think there is an element, and maybe you're just trying to find an argument. Maybe I'm being truculent here, but like the the numbers have dropped off a touch in terms of convert, uh, conversion rate. Uh, and if you are doing it as 2023, as we said, Watkins has got more goals than him. 31, he's got 29, 10 assists. I think I just I just put him at the top and didn't think about it really yeah. much after yeah. that. I think he's such a force of nature. Force. Someone said to me. And it was something that struck a chord with me immediately. It's like, particularly in the first four or five months of him being in the Prem, it was like watching an avatar playing against normal human beings. Mm. I, I, the pace, the strength, the presence of mind. He scored a goal. I can't remember if it was the first weekend of the season or the second or third, away at West Ham, where they were playing a relatively high line. 
and he just burst through. It wasn't even a question. And then he put the ball in the back of the net and it made it look so simple that I just thought to myself, league's done. Yeah. Like you can't defend against him mm. because he's... He's he, He's, yeah. And, and that in itself, for me, if you talk about impact in 2023, he is the, the gold standard. Like he missed the chance the other day and I was dumbfounded that he didn't... Mm. I can't remember what minute of the game it was. And it was a relatively open goal. The sort of finish that you would expect 99% of Premier League strikers to make. He missed a target and it was like there was a glitch in the system. Yeah. Against Spurs, I remember yeah. it. He, he put it one. Everybody's just like, what the fuck have we just seen there? Yeah. Yeah. He's honestly just... and I, I think he can get better. Yeah, he, he will. Can, he can get better because his chance conversion this season has not been great. I've watched games with Ole I'm like, you should be burying that. Mm. He's missing De Bruyne massively. Yeah, for That's sure because that early whipped cross in. But again, I talked about superstars and I just love the narrative of football. Mm. I love like lauding these players that are just our superstars and he just embodies that and you can tell that he feels it. Game against Arsenal back in the last season that really won City the league takes his hair out, scores the goal I'm like, of course he does. <laughs> yeah, of course yeah, he yeah, does yeah, because yeah. he's just, he's got he's got the penchant for the for the feeling, the moment that je ne sais yeah. quoi and I feel, I feel like with Haaland a lot of people want to find reasons to criticise him because he's not perfect but let's just appreciate him because we're not going to see numbers like this again. Just to finish off then, so, uh... Do you want to go just to to a camera that you can see? Do you want to run through your 10? Just give us a, a, a list of your 10 from 10 to, to 9. I'll go first. Right. Where's my camera? Here. So, in 10th place, Pascal Gross. 9th, James Madison. 8th, Declan Rice. Kieran Trippier. Ollie Watkins. Bukayo Saka. Mohamed Salah. Silva. Bernardo Silva. Rodri and Haaland. My top ten players, top Premier, top ten Premier League players of 2023. In number ten, uh, James Madison. Number nine, Ollie Watkins. Number eight, Declan Rice. Number seven, Bernardo Silva. Controversially, number six, Martin Odegaard. Number five, Kieran Trippier. Number four, Bukayo Saka. Number three, Mohamed Salah. Number two, Rodri. And number one, Erling Haaland. And my ten is Ollie Watkins in ten. Bowen in nine, Saka in eight, Louise in seven, Declan Rice in six. I've got Rodri wrong, to be honest. I would probably change him and put him in the top three, but he's in five. <laughs> and over the course of this conversation, I have rethought my opinion. Son <laughs> uh, in four, again, I would have him lower. But that's that's part and parcel of working it out. You know, three Salah, two Bernardo Silva and one Erling Haaland. Okay, I'm going to need you to set it in stone here, Daniel. So where are you putting him? I'd put Rodri... I mean, to be honest... It's going to be a mess because I would probably push Sun down a couple of places to accommodate Rodri being in fourth and then it all gets smished about. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the beauty of conversation, isn't Indeed. it? It's the beauty Indeed. of debate and we've worked it out from there. And just to just give them their moment, Ethan Pinnock, right? <laughs> I hear you. I see you. Okay, Matoma, I think it's been great this year. Palinia, outrageous tackle numbers. His tackle numbers are a joke this year. John McGinn. John McGinn, huge season for him. Saliba, we kind of touched on him. Uh, I know Arsenal fans are going to be screaming about that. Any other notable mentions? You oh, want the the, the, the Polina one has just made me rethink a lot. Okay. Well, we are going to have a stomach. Kweku, uh, where can people find you? I took a little break from YouTube, but I'm back. I've got Come a video. On. I've got a video an essay coming out next week um, about Chelsea in the back three. You can find me on YouTube, Kweku Afari. You can find me on Instagram, Kweku underscore Afari. Twitter, everywhere. Um, I'm not on socials that much, but you can follow me. This video essay sounds really, really interesting. It's about the back three and how that has affected Chelsea forevermore.
So make sure you are following Kweku. I'll put a link in the description. Daniel, where can people find you, mate? You can find me on Twitter or X, as it is now known, at HLTCO, or on YouTube, HLTCO Media, or if you are into Patreon, I am on there as well, providing podcasts on both Crystal Palace and General Football every day, Monday to Friday, by 8.30am. Come on! Love it. Uh, Right, guys, uh, if you enjoyed yourself, uh, feel free to let us know on Twitter your... 10. Uh, Follow the podcast and just have a great day. 